How many of y'all are familiar with Psalm 23? You know, so many people give that song at a funeral. It's not a dead man's song. It is a live man's song. And in the midst of that, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, and don't call me Shirley. Surely goodness and mercy. I want to see the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but I want to see the goodness of God in my life. But see, you can't see the goodness of God, not that it ain't there. It's because we block it out because we read that as a dead man's song. That's not a dead man's song. Because he said, surely goodness and mercy. If you'll just stop your running, goodness and mercy will run into you. It's there. And I found a key to goodness. And that's called thankfulness. Gratitude. I have a good friend that calls it dat grat. Got to get dat grat. And it's having that thing of no matter what you're going through, no matter what crisis, what uncertainty, no matter what you're going through, goodness and mercy are right there. Goodness. I got my wife clapping on that one. But you got to be thankful. I don't care if you're going through crisis. I don't care if your marriage is... I, I do care if your marriage is, is not good. But the way to get through the not good part of it is gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. up at two something this morning and I, you know, most people would say, well, God woke me up at two. I don't think it was God. I think it was just barbecue late <laughs> that night. But I woke up at about 2.15, 2.30 or something like that. And I could not go back to sleep until five o'clock this morning. And I was like, God, why? Why? Be thankful. You don't know the reason why I got you up, but be thankful. So I started thanking God, and I went back to sleep. It was that crap. Man, you got to be thankful. That's the key. Key to God's goodness. You want to see God's goodness? Stop running so hard and let goodness run into you and give him thanks. Amen? And Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this group. Uh, of ministers behind me. I thank you for this group of ministers before me. Father, I thank you that you have called and purposed every one of us to walk in your goodness, to walk in that place through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, that you are our shepherd. We know your voice. We hear your voice. And the voice of a stranger we won't hear. And God, we thank you and praise you for your goodness that operates in our life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Before you sit down, turn around and give somebody a high five and say, I'm thankful for you.
right, all right, all right. Amen. Amen, amen. How y'all doing today? Man, what a good worship set. That was really good. Really good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, what's going on? Is it all good? Good deal. Well, uh, before I get into anything today, I want to just let you guys know that we have some guests in the house today, and I'm very thankful for them. The Ladd family, Jason, Miss Kimberly, it's good to, good to see you. And what's, what's his name? Okay. Gunner, Gunner, thanks for being here, buddy. Um, if, um, I ain't got much time, y'all quit. No, um, uh, Jason Ladd has been a um, huge supporter of what we're doing for our veterans. Uh, he uh, is a part of Centurion Witness Ministries, and they minister to our veterans and first responders. Whoever, whoever has um, seen a lot of crap in their life, Jason can minister to you. Um, you know, PTSD, all that kind of stuff, anything that you're carrying from, from um, battle or, I mean, you may not even have to be in war to get with Jason. So they're from Tennessee, so familiarize yourself with them. Um, and his wife, Kimberly, I, I, I heard this the other day, in March, she was featured in People Magazine as 15 of the women that are changing our country, changing our earth. And um, and her, her contribution is to end the opioid epidemic in this country, all over the world, and she'd be a good one to talk to. So anyways, glad to have you guys this morning. And Gunner, you're just, you're just with them, so you get, you get all the props, all right? So anyways, um, talk, if you see them, talk to them, and they'll talk to you back, I promise. <laughs> um, anyways, if you have your Bibles today, if you would go over to Ephesians chapter 1. That's where we're going to go, Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on the screen here in a few minutes and, um, as we go through it. But, um, man, I want to welcome our Facebook family, uh, Facebook Live, all of our live uh, platforms who's watching. I uh, hope you're watching today. Uh, but we just, we just thank you so much for joining us. You're that, that crowd around the world that get to be a part of this, and we get to be a part of you. So we appreciate you joining us in that stead as well. So last week when Josh ministered, it was such a good message and stuff, and I got a lot of stuff out of it, but I'm not going to springboard off of that. I may do that in a couple of weeks. But um, last week, if you follow the Jewish or the Hebraic roots, last week was a festival called Shavuot or Pentecost. And um, it, Pentecost means 50, so it's 50 days, 50 days after the, the uh, Passover, and so that's what Pentecost is all about. 
And this weekend is called Pentecost Sunday because it's 50 days after Easter. So whichever you celebrate, if you celebrate uh, Shavuot as the Hebrews do or you celebrate Easter, this last week has been a time of the 50 days after those major celebrations. Amen? Amen. And so with that, the 50 days was... Um, in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh and the Holy Spirit came alive inside individual people, not just in the air. Are you with me? Yes. And so it's, it's during that Pentecost. Pentecost has already released that into the earth, but we like to um, celebrate that or observe that every, uh, every year as it, the Holy Spirit's been poured out but we can receive that just as much as they did back in Acts chapter 2. Amen? Amen. And um, what Jesus told his disciples to do when he, when he ascended into heaven is he said, go into Jerusalem and wait. And on the day of Pentecost, when you, when, when you see or when you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And we need this power. To walk in these times and walk in these days, we need this power. And so, you know, a few weeks ago when I preached, I talked about the times that we're in and how many people think because of the, um, the weight of the times, many people think, well, I wasn't born for this time. I should have been born 100 years ago. Did you know that people born 100 years ago had just as much weight in their times as we do in our times? God said that you were born at a perfect time. You were born for such a time as this, not to hide in your Frady hole, but to come out of your Frady hole with power and walk in these times of uncertainty. Amen? And so as this world moves forward into more uncertain times, God wants his people to be at the forefront of navigating family. Amen? Navigating the times of community and navigating the times of church. And I'm talking about the capital C church, what Bailey was talking about a while ago, the the big C. We are the church, but we are a part of the big C, the capital worldwide C, church. The church, right? (laughs) And hearing God's voice is so imperative during this time. We talked about that on Table Talk this last Wednesday night about hearing God's voice in the different ways. And so I want to talk to you today about another way that God communicates to us in these times. And you're going to need this. Every one of you are going to need this worse than anything right now. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 1, I love Ephesians. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ephesians. You got caught up in Ephesians, didn't you, for a year. Lynette was was reading Ephesians. She just couldn't get out of it. And what I've heard about the book of Ephesians, I I read this the other day, is that it it is, the book of Ephesians is premier. It's the premier book of the New Testament for the church because it's a model of faith and love and hope and, and conduct. It's got all these elements in it to, it's only six chapters long and it's got all these elements of what the capital C church should look like. And it is one of the premier books of the Bible. It is the Alps 
the Alps, like the Swedish Alps of the New Testament. It is the Grand Canyon of the Bible. I mean, you can read through it, but you can go back and still go, whoa. It is the capstone of the epistles or the letters of the New Testament. And I don't know if it was the Apostle Paul's favorite, but I think, I think that he favored the church at Ephesus because he helped found that church at Ephesus. And, and he um, turned that over to his spiritual son, Timothy. And that's the place where Timothy was martyred at one point. Then the Apostle John, Jesus' best buddy, the Apostle John came in in his 90s after he um, was put on the island of Patmos which means Patmos means my killing. He should have died on Patmos, but he comes back in his 90s and leads the church at Ephesus, and Jesus' mother went to that church after a long time, after she left Jerusalem. It is noted that she died there, the apostle John died there, and Timothy died there. And Ephesus was quite the church, I don't know if it'd be called a mega church today, but it was quite the church. And the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome. He wrote it, and he started out everything that he did. He, he started out this letter, and he told them, I pray this for you every day. Ephesus, in, I'm in Rome in the bottom of the prison, and I pray this prayer for you every day. So let's look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15, it says, Therefore I also, this is Apostle Paul talking, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly, in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the age to come, but not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The first thing he starts off with is he says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. He wants our eyes to be open. Now, he wasn't talking about our natural eyes. He's talking about our spiritual eyes. That eyes that have the depth of your soul, the eyes that have the depth of your heart and your spirit. And he says, when you do that, he says, your eye, the eyes of your heart be illuminated to what is, number one, the full expectation of his purpose for us. And what is the full value? Number two, the full value of heavenly authority in us. And number three, the overflowing resurrection power in and through us. Amen. He said, I want you to see this, y'all. 
I want you to see, I want you to get this revelation that the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ lives in you by his Holy Spirit to give you these things. But to get these things and get your eyes enlightened, there is a key to having these things operational in our life. And I want to I bear down on that key today because he said it in verse 17. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. Today I want to talk to you about the power of the spirit of wisdom. Amen? Um, when Lynette and I first got into ministry in 1997, we, we got married and moved to Texas. And we lived in a little town called Madisonville, Texas. It's about in the center between Dallas and Houston. We were right smack dab in the center. And we went to work down there for a ministry. I quit my career job. She quit her retail job. And we got married and moved to Texas to work for ministry, for a ministry. And while we were there, we, you know, we didn't have anything. We, we were moving to a place that was foreign to us. I mean, she's a Texan, so she kind of had the groove, but I'm an Okie. I had to find the groove. And so I, I really wanted to see what was so great about Texas. Well, Madisonville don't have nothing great to show you about Texas, except now they have a Bucky's. And if you've never been to Bucky's, you need to go to Texas. It is the Mecca. I think when the rapture happens, it's going to happen at Bucky's. And so we're all going to get pushed into Bucky's and then go to heaven. If you don't know what Bucky's is, look it up. But when we moved there, we moved out onto a, like a 500-acre ranch, and that all sounds really cool and all, but we were just the caretakers of the house. The ranch had a foreman. We didn't have to mess with all that kind of stuff. And we lived there for about six or eight months, and then we moved on. And moving on from that really nice house on 500 acres, we moved into a uh, horse pasture <laughs> in a horse trailer. Now, it was a living quarter horse trailer, but it was old. And it was wintertime, and wintertime in southeast Texas is not cold like here, but it's a different kind of cold. It's dreary, it's rainy, and it's chilly to the bone. And so we were living in this horse trailer, so there was a lot of motivation there for us to find a place to live, but we didn't have no money. So we were asking God for, for his help. And so what we would do is we would pray. There wasn't nothing to do. I didn't want to stay in that horse trailer all day. So we would, we would pray for God's wisdom, and then we would get in our truck and go drive around and see if we saw anything that we could squat on. <laughs> there was nothing. All them Texans own guns. They don't let you squat. <laughs> but anyways, we, we, were, we would drive around. We would pray for wisdom and drive around. So one day we prayed for wisdom and went to Walmart. 
And we come out of Walmart. I don't know if we bought anything. It was just something to do because we didn't have no money. So we just walked around the aisles, throw toilet paper at one another. Um, but we were, we were coming out of Walmart. I remember looking out in the parking lot, and my dog was on top of the cab of the truck waiting for us. So we looked real redneck. <clears throat> we come out, and I said, there, you know, there was a realty office next door. So I said, I'm going to go over into that realty office and ask that lady if she knows where a place is to rent. Cheap. And Lynette pushed back. She goes, do not embarrass me. She goes, it's a realty office. They sell property, not rent property. I said, I'm not, they just may know. I mean, I, baby. She, she said, she said, don't you, no, we're not going to walk in there. No, don't embarrass me. I said, I'm going. So I went in and I asked that lady and she said, you know what? I think I got a place for you. So she got on the phone. She called these people, and these people said, yeah, tell them to come over. So we went over to their place where they were at, and they were telling us about this place that they had rented out, but they had to evict the people, but the people wouldn't leave. And they said that they tore the place apart. She said, it is, it is. She said, I don't even know if it's livable, but you all can go out there and check it out if you want to. So we did. We drove way out in the country, out in this little community, and drove up, found the house, and we looked across that. The, the, a tree had fell over the driveway, so we had to go through a creek to get back up to the house. And we looked at that thing, and we went, horse trailer, this place. Ugh. And I said, you know what? We need to do that. So we went back and talked to those people and said, said how much do you want for it? They said, it is torn apart. So if you'll just work on it and fix it up, that'll be your rent. You can live there rent-free, and you just fix it up so that we can sell it at some point when you're, when you're done. I, I said, see there, baby? I'm the, I'm the head of this household. And when I said that, I said it very quietly. And she patted me on the back. But when we got to that house, and I'm, I, I looked for pictures, and I couldn't find the pictures of the, of the house, it was known in the community as the stinky house, and we didn't know that. But it seemed like everybody else knew that, and we were taking possession of this house. I remember walking into this house, and there was dog poop on the floor. Now, all the doors were wide open when we got there, so there's critters and all kinds of stuff. And we walked in, there's dog poop. Now, I don't know if you know East Texas very well, but East Texas has so much humidity that when things get left on the floor, they grow. And so our first cleaning in that house was with a shovel, scooping the poop that had grown, that had produced in that place. I remember, I remember stepping onto the carpet and watching the sand fleas run all up my feet, you could watch the fleas moving on you. So we had a little bombing to do. The fireplace, they had 
the, the people, we found a, a shutoff notice bill laying on the, on the, uh, uh, the cabinets or on the counter. And they had heated the house with the fireplace, but they, <laughs> they tore the tile out of the bathroom and put it as a hearth on the fireplace. And they tore the pantry off the wall to burn as wood. And it had rolled out onto the carpet, and the carpet was melted out in front. So that's why they went and got the tiles out of the rotted bathroom floor and put them on the front of that to make them a hearth. So it was really pretty. Now, they weren't fastened to the floor. They were just sitting on the floor. And so the yard was full of trash where they had taken all of their stuff, all their stuff that they didn't want to take with them, and they just threw it in the front yard, and the weeds were growing around. It was, it was awful, y'all. I wish I had a picture. The house had been struck by lightning and it was burnt up one side. (laughs) My Lord. I think the stinky house is a good, a good thing other than what else was there. You know, that was a praise and worship time. Call it the stinky house. But it's during that time that our, our, our lives and where we were going and what we were doing that time of our lives, we were uncertain of anything. We were uncertain of how we were going to get money. We were uncertain. I mean, we were working for this ministry, but they're a nonprofit and they're traveling around. Um, they had us start, um, had us manage a tax shop that they had, but it wasn't making any money. I didn't have a paycheck. She didn't have a paycheck. And, and this story is really cool if I could go into all of it, but I can't. The thing about it is, is our times during that time was uncertain and we needed to hear from God. So what did we do? We couldn't open our Bible and tell us what to do. We couldn't call our spiritual parents and them tell us what to do. We couldn't call our natural parents. I think we had tapped them out anyways because we didn't have any money. But both of us had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And we had access to the spirit of wisdom during that time. I cannot tell you how we survived that time, except it was the spirit of wisdom. Time after time after time after time. We made it. And as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus every day, this prayer, he also prayed for me to have the spirit of wisdom. And you know what's great about it is he prayed for you to have the spirit of wisdom. What I found out is that if God gives wisdom to do dumb kids with no certainty of a future and no money to get there in the middle of Texas, nowhere Texas, Miss Sandy preached a message called a place called there. We was in a place of nowhere. But if God can give us wisdom in that time, he can do that for anyone moving forward in these uncertain times. Amen? So why is the spirit of wisdom so important? I'm going to give you three things here why the the, um, spirit of wisdom is so important. So number one, the power of the spirit of witness, uh, wisdom, leads us into uncertainty leads us in the times of uncertainty. It leads. One of the most famous humans in the Bible 
that walked in the power of the spirit or power of the spirit of wisdom is a man named Solomon. So we're going to look at Solomon for a little bit. And this is a two Bible kind of day. So I'm going to switch out and go to another Bible. And if you would go to first Kings, first Kings, one Kings three, first Kings chapter three. And I just want to give you a little insight into what this is going to be talking about. Solomon, this man of wisdom was the youngest son of King David. King David, you know, the, the David and Goliath dude. If you, never, if you don't know who King David is, you know who David and Goliath is, right? And you know the story. But he was the youngest son of David who was the king of Israel. And when David died, Solomon became his successor. Solomon stepped into kingship over Israel when he was about 20 years old. Now, there's a lot of... The Bible doesn't say, but there's a lot of uh, variation there. Some people say he was 12 years old. Some people say he was 15. Some people say he was 19, 19 or 20. That's where I'm going, all right? 19 or 20 years old. Now, listen, listen to what this says here. 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to go to verse 5 to start out. This is as Solomon takes over kingship. It says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God says, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continually have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern such great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing, me, governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or death to your enemies, I will give you what you have asked and I will give you a, I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had ever or ever will have. I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you, for you, uh, to you for, oh, for the rest of your life. I'm jumping lines there. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. He asked for wisdom. A 19 or 20-year-old. I remember what I was doing at 19 or 20 years old. I know that the decisions that I made were terrible. And I was just a kid, a son of a body man and a, and a housewife. I didn't have no power. I didn't have no fame or any great position to step into. And I made stupid decisions. Stupid. 
I'm not even going to tell you how stupid they were. So in, in thinking about that, you know, what if, what if I were in, in 19 or 20 trusted into a high-powered position, wealth and authority? I, would, I probably would be dead today. I was almost dead anyways. But he was asked by God, what do you want? I'll give you anything. <clears throat> Solomon, for Solomon... To, to be a great leader, he was saying, to, for me to be a great leader, I need your wisdom. I need wisdom. See, Solomon's perspective was, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do in this. I don't know where I'm going in this. I'm 19 or 20 years old. This kingdom is vast. I got a lot of enemies. But all I know to do is to lean into you, Father God, and be empowered by the spirit of wisdom that is yours. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know how old you are. I don't, it's, it's not about age. It's about leaning into God in uncertain times. It's about leaning into him and leaning into the wisdom when there's uncertainty. And when I think about Solomon and I see and, and I've read about him, one of my favorite books is First Kings and Second Kings. I love Chronicles and showing all these, what all these kings did and reading about the successful life of Solomon. I found a scripture that I think that probably he looked at. All good Jewish kids looked at the, looked at the uh, first five books of the, the Bible. By the time they were 12 years old, they had those books memorized. And in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. I think Solomon looked at Joshua and said, He was such a great leader, and he had the spirit of wisdom, if I'm going to be a great leader, if, if Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land that they had never seen and it was uncertain what would happen, then I have got to be, have that same spirit of wisdom in order to take this people who Joshua brought in hundreds of years ago and expand this kingdom. I have got to have wisdom. The uncertainty of expanding that kingdom. See, Joshua led in uncertainty, and so Solomon saw his opportunity to lead in uncertainty, and it could only come through the spirit of wisdom. In the New Testament, Timothy, who was the pastor at Ephesus, he was a powerful leader. And in the uncertain times and unprecedented times that he lived in, I mean, Ephesus was a city that was run by Roman rule. And here he is receiving a letter from the Apostle Paul in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel. And here's Timothy over here going, this Rome thing is going to catch up with me before long. But while I live in these uncertain times, I'm going to draw upon what my father, my spiritual father has gone through in his uncertain times. And what he prays for me. And he receives this letter from the Apostle Paul. And he says, all right. One Sunday morning, he comes in and says, all right, church, here's what the Apostle Paul 
has written to us. And I believe when he read that letter, he received the spirit of wisdom. That first prayer that is prayed over them every day, he received the spirit of wisdom. And when he read that to the church at Ephesus, they received the spirit of wisdom. And even though they went through some pretty tough things, I believe that Timothy was led by the spirit of wisdom in the same sense as Solomon, as Joshua, and as Jesus. Because Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus in chapter 11, verse 2. It says that one of the things, one of the spirits that would be on Jesus when he came, the Messiah, when he came to earth, that he would have the spirit of wisdom. Amen? Are you a Christ follower today? If you're a Christ follower, you have access to the same spirit of wisdom that Jesus had on him because the same spirit that was in Jesus is on us, in us, and through us. The spirit of wisdom. The second key is that the power of the spirit of wisdom speaks in uncertainty. It leads in uncertainty, and then it speaks in uncertainty. Are you with me? One of the first, uh, we're not going to read this because I don't have time, but as you come off of that in 1 Kings, you go right into the, one of the first things that Solomon, one of the crises that Solomon had to judge was two prostitutes came to him. Two prostitutes who both had brand new baby, b- brand new babies. I don't know if they were boys or girls, but they had brand new babies. Apparently, they were the same gender because w- one of the prostitutes, rolled over on the baby and killed the baby. And so when she discovered that she'd killed that baby, she took that dead baby over to the other prostitute's live baby, stole that baby, put the dead baby in her bed, and come over and possessed the other baby. So the lady that had been given the dead baby says, this ain't my kid. This ain't my kid. So we're going to, that's my kid. So we're going to go before the king and let him judge this thing out. So Solomon prays and says, Lord, give me wisdom. Now, this is my words, but in this moment, he's got to make a decision. He's 20 years old, looking at these two prostitutes with babies, a dead one and a live one, and he said, they're arguing back and forth of whose baby this live one is. And as they're, as they're arguing about it, all of a sudden, he gets an idea. The spirit of wisdom comes. He looks over at his guys and he says, bring me a sword. So they brought him a sword. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the live baby and we're going to cut it in half. And we're going to give one, each of you, half. <laughs> but the king's word is the king's word. And the mama of the live baby goes, no, 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 no. The other lady who stole the baby says, that sounds like a good idea. I'll take half. It's weird. But the mama of the live baby says, said, no, don't do that. Give her the baby. I'll go without. And at that moment, Solomon says, all right, here's the deal. That live baby belongs to this woman who said, take it. Because 
she is the one who cares about the life of that baby. God gave him wisdom, and when God gave him wisdom, he spoke that wisdom forward. He spoke it forward. And so the spirit of wisdom speaks wisdom. In the New Testament in Acts chapter 6, you don't have to go over there, but this is the story of a man named Stephen. Stephen, you know, the stoning of Stephen is what we talk about all the time. But how Stephen was chosen to go into ministry, it was... um, one of he was one of eight guys that were chosen to to uphold a certain ministry there in Acts chapter six, and you can go and read that and and see all that. But he was called into ministry because it was recognized on Stephen that he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He had wisdom, and in, in um, so when he when he entered into that ministry. Signs and wonders begin to happen in that ministry. He was ministering to the widows of the area, and, and what happened was signs and wonders begin to happen in Stephen's ministry everywhere he went. And so when miracle signs and wonders begin to happen, it rose up the naysayers. It rose up the religious people who said, that, that's not for today. And, and so Stephen began to talk to them about that. He began to speak and, and as they begin to argue back and forth about what, um, what Stephen had done and, and the way that he ministered and the knowledge that he had, it says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 6, it says, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit in which Stephen spoke. As he spoke wisdom, as the spirit of wisdom on him spoke wisdom, that the religious people could not match what wisdom he had. And so what happened? They just couldn't match it, so they just killed him. Now that's, that's not a selling point, is it, for me to say you got to have the spirit of wisdom and he got killed. But the fact of the matter is, is that the spirit of wisdom speaks wisdom. Amen? Power of wisdom speaks. Now the third one that I want to tell you about is the power of the spirit of wisdom creates, creates in uncertainty. It creates. When we were living in that stinky house, as I'd said before, they had taken the tiles out of the bathroom and moved them out into the living room. One of the reasons is because the floor underneath the tiles were rotted out. It was, I mean, you step out of the shower and you go to the ground through the floorboards. And, the, and the, the, the bathroom was tiny. I guarantee you, from here to the edge of the stage is how big it was. That was shower, commode, and sink. And it was funny because when Lynette would sit on the toilet, sorry, when she would have to use the bathroom, her legs were so long they hit the wall in front of her, so she had to sit sideways, and sometimes with the door open. It was tiny, tiny bathroom. But we didn't, I'm sorry, I just uncovered my wife. I mean, we all go to the bathroom, so. Amen. Amen. I went this morning. You want me to take, no, I'm kidding. But anyways, gathering it back up, the bathroom floor was rotted out. We had no money. We couldn't go buy any plywood, even when it was cheap. But we couldn't buy any plywood. 
And I'm, I'm, we're standing there looking. We can't even take a shower yet because the floor's rotted out. Can't step out of the shower. And so, <clears throat> I, we, once again, we just begin to pray. Pray for wisdom. God, what, how are we going to fix this floor? How are we going to do this? Well, God said, go to the yard. Go out to the yard. So I went out in the yard, and of course, these people threw trash everywhere. Well, they had a waterbed at one point, and an old waterbed, the old bladder was laying there. I picked up the bladder to that old waterbed, and there was plywood that was the base of that waterbed that that bladder sat on was laying right there. I got plywood. And I was able to create a bathroom floor out of plywood that was in the yard. There was, God show me what to do. And he showed me what to do. Now I am not a carpenter, but I can draw a line and cut on it. So I did and screwed that thing to the floor joist and I was in business. We caulked it up, sealed it up, put a little piece. One of our friends had a piece of linoleum. I put it in there, reset the toilet, reset the sink. Wisdom. Spirit of wisdom. Some of y'all are looking at me going, I could have done that. Yeah, but I can't. I'm, I'm a paint and body man's son who worked in the office, didn't even work in the body shop. But I can cut on the line. See, something happens to our natural abilities when we begin to lean into God's wisdom. Something happens. And it's the same spirit that spoke and created the heavens and the earth. Remember back in Genesis, earth was out without form and void and all that kind of stuff. And it says he spoke. And when he said light be, light was. And everything that God began to speak, it was his wisdom creating out of nothing. And the cool thing about it is, is that's the same spirit that lives in us. And it's the spirit of wisdom. There in, in uh, 1 Kings, in chapter 4, I want you to see this. This is still Solomon. Verse 29, chapter 4, verse 29 says, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and, the knowledge, and knowledge as vast as the sand of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that all of the wise men of the east, the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Azurite and the, son, the sons of Mahal, He-Man. See, he was greater than He-Man. That's saying something. All you 80s cartoon watchers. I think it's Heman. Anyways. He's greater than He-Man, Calcol, and Darda. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations, and he composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. His wisdom gave him the power of creating. All these guys that are mentioned are all poets, wisdom guys, you know, poets and songwriters and all these guys, and he had wisdom beyond them all. 
and created 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. See, the Bible speaks of Solomon writing most of Proverbs. And in, most, in, in Proverbs, it is said 49 times about wisdom. 49 times it speaks of wisdom. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which speaks 25 times of wisdom. And he also wrote the Song of Solomon. We don't even have the, the, the bunch of what he did. We just have a little bit. And it is mind-blowing to read the wisdom of Solomon. See, the power of wisdom releases creativity in our lives. In Exodus chapter 28, verses 1 through 3, it says, Call for your brother Aaron and his sons. This is God talking to Moses. Call for your brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so that they may minister to me and be my priests. He says this, make or create sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make or create garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart apart for my service. He said, these guys who are going to create something that's not even there yet, they have, I have given them the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom creates. See, God still loves to create. But he uses us. He loves to use us. He loves to fill his people with the spirit of wisdom and help them to create. A few years ago, you know, there's a thing whenever you begin to step into the signs and wonders and things like that, miracles. There's a thing called creative miracles. And it's when something is not there that God creates when we begin to push into his wisdom. Many years ago, we were over at the arena, we had church in the, inside a barn over there. How many of you was a part of the church over there? Cool. Got a lot. But we were there one Tuesday night. There was a gentleman and his wife that came in. They had two little boys. And the one little boy was about three or four. And they'd been given a diagnosis that day of their youngest boy. The doctor said there is a hole in his heart. And we're going to have to go through multiple operations. And even when we go through multiple operations, he may not even make it to 10 years old, 12 years old. There is a hole in his heart and he's going to die. We just need to extend his life medically the best way we can. They showed up at church that night and his daddy was beside himself. He was crying and wanted us to pray for him. I said, sure, I'll pray for him. I began to pray for this little boy. I put my hand on his heart. I began to pray for him. I didn't feel anything. I didn't sense anything. I just prayed what King David prayed in Psalm 51, create in me, O God, a new heart. I said, this little boy, I said, create in him a new heart. I had my hands there on his little heart. That's all I said. Well, they had an appointment the next day to go back and get some more things moving forward. And as they went back to the doctor the next day, they called me and they said, the doctor said 
that he don't have a hole in his heart anymore. He put in him a new heart. We watched a creative miracle happen because we seek wisdom. We seek the wisdom of the word. The word has wisdom in it. And we begin to seek the wisdom of the word. And God created in him a new heart. So cool. That boy graduated high school this week. So how are we going to step into the future where no person in this generation has ever experienced or walked? We're, we're in unprecedented times, right? We're in uncertain times, right? No person, I cannot call anyone and say, how did you navigate this? I can't do that. You can't do that. We have to rely and lean into the spirit of wisdom. We have to be filled with the spirit of wisdom. See, most of us as Christians, we have this thing on the inside of us. We know, we know good and evil, right? We know right and wrong. See, that's what Solomon said. He says, I want to know right from wrong. Because, um, well, we, we know black and white, right? Good and evil, right, wrong, black, white. And sometimes we take pride in that. We're black, we're the black or white. This is what the word says, and it's either black or white. Let me tell you something. Uncertain times brings gray areas. And there's gray areas out there, and you can be black and white all you want to. You can be good and evil, not having knowledge of good and evil and having this knowledge of right and wrong all you want to, but there is a gray area in uncertain times, and only wisdom can make the gray areas legible, real. It's the spirit of wisdom that navigates you through the muddied waters and the gray areas. It's by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, that was given to us at Pentecost in 30 AD. It was the Holy Spirit, the all the Holy Spirit. He gave us all the Holy Spirit. It says he poured out all of his spirit. All of his spirit. And included in that is access to the spirit of wisdom. Spirit of wisdom and all his power. And when we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the spirit of wisdom is imparted into us. And in that spirit of wisdom is the capacity to lead, the capacity to speak, the capacity to create in uncertain times that becomes a reality on the inside of us how to navigate this life through these unprecedented times. Here's what I want to tell you. You need the Holy Spirit. What do I need the Holy Spirit for? Well, it's, it's not just so you can speak in tongues. If you get that, you get that. Go, go for it. I do, so it's good. I'll just say it's good. And you need it. It'll be good for you. But the cool thing about it is, is it gives you the ultimate power of the Holy Spirit the ultimate power of the spirit of wisdom and everything that goes with it. So this is what I want to tell you today. To receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you must be born again. 
you got to be born again. you got to be a Christ follower. And to be born again is just simply to say yes to Jesus. Because when Jesus came to the men that, who would become his disciples, he didn't ask them to raise a hand, to pray a prayer, and to walk an aisle. He simply looked at them and says, will you come and follow me? They said, uh-huh. Sometimes that's all we got to say to be a Christ follower. Uh-huh. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that sounds like. Just like Solomon, I don't know where to go, what to do with all this, but uh-huh. You got to say, uh-huh. If you've never said, uh-huh, to Jesus today, today is your day. Say, uh-huh, to him right now. Say yes to him right now. I will follow you. I will follow you. And when you say that, now you have a place, a capacity on the inside of you that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that came at Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. And it's alive and able for you today. So here's what I want you to do. You should bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you, as I go into this, I want you to, when I tell you to repeat after me, I just want you to repeat after me. If you if you want the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you've never received that, I just want you to repeat after me, all right? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe that you poured out your Spirit for me to receive power and the spirit of wisdom. And today, I say yes to that. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may have felt something. You may not have felt something. See, that's what faith is all about. It's about about moving forward even when you can't feel it. But it's really cool when you do. you to be aware that when you leave here today, you are filled with the Holy Spirit if you prayed that with all your heart. It's not the prayer that did it. It's about your heart being open and saying yes to him that did it. Amen? Amen. You receive that today? spirit of wisdom living on the inside of you. If you run into anything that you don't know where you're going to go, how you're going to get there, or how much money it's going to take, ask the spirit of wisdom, spirit of God, to show you, and he will, I promise. Amen.